Greetings. I say tomato, you say tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. All right, well, this is what I am reluctantly calling the final episode of the Tomato Tomato podcast. And of course, that is not a real name, but I don't know, maybe it should be because this has been lots of fun. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me these past four episodes. I do truly hope that they have been thought-provoking for you as we wrestle together with the questions regarding church life in the digital age. Now, on this episode, again, our final episode, now that we have talked some of these things out with some pastors, you know, pastors that were in the trenches, uh, you know, I want to share with you some of my concluding thoughts. Uh, And these thoughts are not meant to be definitive answers to any sorts of questions, really, because there's always more questions than there are answers, and frankly, I kind of like it that way. In the Christian world, it's easy to make snap judgments or assumptions about people. Uh, And what tends to happen is is we think we have something figured out. Whether we have done any sort of study on it or not, we, we decide that we have it figured out, and then we come across someone who approaches that topic differently. And then we, and of course by by we I mean me, but it feels a little bit too lonely just to say me, and so I am graciously including you in my faults. And, And so we think that we are the only ones that have really thought this thing through, and others, are they're just going through the motions, and and so we start to think, you know, maybe we think about guys like Pastor Tanner and and his you know, the fact that he streams his sermon preparation on Twitch, and, and so we can make an, uh, a judgment. We can say, well, he's just kind of feeding into his own ego, right? And, uh, or maybe we're surprised that there's a Greek Orthodox guy who is active in the online digital space. Or, you know, maybe we have different sets of assumptions or judgments regarding the Anglicans or the Presbyterians or the Catholics, or, you know, you fill in the blank. You know, I would have really liked to be able to talk to more pastors from you know, various places all around and uh, talk to them about the different things that they do in the digital space. Uh, you know, it would have been great to find a pastor of, say, like a really tiny church or, or a pastor of a mega church or to talk to some female pastors or a pastor uh, of you know, varying ethnicities. But, but even though you know, time and other constraints kind of prevented that from, from happening, uh, I think we would have found some very similar things in others that we found in the three pastors that we were able to speak with. See, we would have saw servants of God trying to discern the very best ways to love and to serve others using the tools and the resources available. Pastors whose theological assumptions motivated their decisions pastors that had perhaps varying levels of intentionality and and that's okay because let's face it, sometimes in the, the church world, sometimes in the life of the church, we act first and then we kind of figure out the why later. And in this other times, we know exactly why we do what we do and then we act. So anyhow, where do I find myself in all this? Where do I land in this? Now, I've, I've wrestled with this topic, you know, kind of gone back and forth a little bit, uh, which means when you listen to these interviews, I've probably said or expressed something that maybe since then I've kind of 
put aside or, or don't really think anymore or think differently about or, or whatever, you know. And quite honestly, I'm not sure if that happened or not because I don't remember all that I said. But, you know, I'd like to do my best to kind of tell you where I stand in, in all of this. And that's, you know, where I stand as of today, November 28th at 2.17 p.m. Eastern Time. <laughs> this is what I'm thinking. Deep in my bones, I think that in-person, face-to-face gatherings is what God has in mind for the church, especially when it comes to corporate worship. So if I were to sum up my conclusion in one sentence, it would be, let's drop online church, but let's not drop live streaming. Now let me explain, and, and to do so, I think I need to start where, well, I asked pastors Tanner and Barnabas and Jason to start with the question, what is the church? Now as a minister in the Church of the Nazarene, I believe that the church is the community that confesses Jesus Christ is Lord, the covenant people of God made new in Christ. The church is the body of Christ that has been called together by the Holy Spirit through the word. The church is not made up of one denomination. The church is a new humanity, not a multiplicity of unrelated groups and individuals. Yet the church is made up of individuals. I believe that there is one church, and the church is concretely present in many communities that worship Christ. The next thing I think we should consider is this. If the church is, in fact, one singular entity made up of individuals, then who are these individuals? Or to ask it another way, what does it mean to be human? A human is both physical and non-physical. A human is not only physical and not only non-physical, but both united. And that's the conclusion You know, like theologian H. Orton Wiley makes in his systematic theology, this is the teaching of the Catholic Church found in in its catechisms. You know, humans consist of the physical and the non-physical. In that that catechism of the Catholic Church, it says that the human person created in the image of God is being at once corporal and spiritual. A Catholic priest named Father Mike Schmitz, although I like to refer to him as Father McDreamy, says that to be human is to be body-soul composite. And he, he goes on to explain in this YouTube video he put out that, that we can kind of go into the ditch in either way on this teaching. On the one hand, we can approach life as if we were only a body, like just a collection of cells. But then on the other hand, we can say that, you know, the body is not the, the real us, and the real us is the, the soul or the mind, and Uh, and and that the real you has nothing to do with the body. However, the thing is, those two things must be held in unity. We are body and we are soul or spirit. So the church is one entity. The community that professes Jesus is Lord, and the church is made up of body-soul humans. And and so the next question then, kind of, if we're following this progression, is the next question that we'd want to address is, what is the purpose or the function of the church? 
Well, I would believe that the, the purpose in the function of the church is worship. And, and I believe that worship takes place and, and uh, kind of takes its form in various ways through like the rituals that we participate in, the rhythms of life that we form, the preaching of the word, the observance of the sacraments, the ministry in his name, right? the obedience to Christ, holy living, mutual accountability. See, the purpose of the church is worship or the glorifying of God. And, and, and then I would add to that, that that a result of that worship, of that life that seeks to glorify God, a result of that is the fulfillment of the Great Commission, the mission of the church, to make disciples of the nations, teaching, baptizing, proclaiming the kingdom of God by our words and by our deeds. And, and so that, that's our, our big picture here. And then how does that kind of play out in... So how does all this kind of end up playing out? Well, well this is what I, I'm kind of thinking. Because the church is made up of individuals... It's impossible for us to always be together. And because the church is one entity, when we are not together, well, we're, we are still the church. So what happens then is this natural rhythm or natural result of this idea that we are individuals that are formed into one entity. And it's this natural uh, rhythm that develops as we gather together and then we scatter. And then we gather together and then we scatter. We are inhaled into the place of God and then exhaled into the world. We gather each week, typically on Sundays, sometimes more often, sometimes on other days. And as we are gathered, we are then able to offer a combined worship, a louder voice of praise, a voice that could not be offered in the same way as if we were alone. We gather to hear the teaching of the word, and we gather to participate in communion, and we gather to encourage and to pray for one another and to lift up each other. We gather to do the things that we could not do while scattered. We gather to scatter again. And then we scatter to, to bring the encouragement that we received while gathered to others. To bring the lessons from the word that we received while we were gathered to others. We scatter to bring the grace and the compassion that we received to others. We, we scatter to bring the body of Christ which we received to others so that the name of Christ would be proclaimed and magnified in all of the nooks and crannies of our lives. And as we are scattered, we become like a net cast into the world. And we find out that Christ is kind of sticky. And the next time we gather, well, there tends to be more of us. So if that's the idea, if, if that's the, the big idea and that's what we're thinking, then, then the question that we face next is, well, how do we apply this to the online space? And so I will, again, say my answer. Let's drop online church, but let's not drop live streaming. Or to put it another way, you know, let's view our church's live stream, our internet presence, not as part of the gathering, but as a part of the scattering. I mean, by all means, let's keep streaming. 
But please, please stop calling it church online or online church or internet church or any sort of language that would communicate that the clicking in online constitutes as participating in the gathered community of Christ. Stop saying at the beginning of your service, whether you're watching online or here in person, welcome to church. See, because if we believe that to be human is to be a body-soul compound, then we're not really gathered if we're only there mentally through a screen. Now, I know people will push back at this idea, but just imagine it in your, in your life with real relationships and, and other people. I, if you're getting married, you wouldn't let your, your future wife know that, hey, you know what, don't worry, I'll be there. I'm just going to zoom in, you know. Just open up the Google Meets link, and, and I'll be there on the wedding day. Let's see how that would fly over. Well, and, and you want to tell your kids, you know, who has a ball game or a dance recital or, or what have you, and you're like, you know, yeah, I'll be there because I have this recording that I'm going to watch later. Now, I, I know, I, I know there might be some scenarios in which those are the best choices on, on a list of really bad options where, where circumstances would dictate that you know, the very best way to be involved in that thing would be a recording or a digital link or whatever. I get that. And, and I, I think that probably maybe for some, it might seem that I'm making too big of a deal about this. Like, who cares what we call it? Who cares how we talk about it? If we're doing the same thing, what does it matter? But here's the thing. We are always discipling and we are always being discipled and and what we say and how we say and how often we say it those things really matter and it teaches us and it trains us so for example when I was a teenager my youth pastor whom uh, I love greatly and have a lot of respect for and this story isn't meant to cast any ill shade on him or anything like that but he would often say things about the older generation in the church you know, talk about how they are religious or legalistic or stuck in their ways. Or, or talk about how, you know, us young people, the teenagers, we need to show them how it's done. And, you know, and things like that. And, and this type of thing would come up very, very often. And some of it was said in order to, to help the teens to begin to learn how to foster, a, you know, an ownership and a passion for their faith. But it seems an unintended result. It's probably an unintended result was that hearing this often, it began to make me very skeptical and untrusting of the people in the church that probably could have been a benefit to my faith. You know, it took me a while to get over that idea that the, that older generation that I'm probably now included in, or at least in the eyes of my teenage years I would be, that, uh, you know, to get over this idea that that generation somehow loved God less or loved their neighbor less and you know, and so, you know, what we say matters. And how we talk about things, it, it matters. And so, no more of this, whether you are here in this room or watching online, welcome to church. And, and maybe even no more using the, the, that extra descriptor when we talk about church or, you know, specifically corporate worship as in-person church. As if there is another option. See, the, the two should not be equated and continued effort should be made to express the desire and the need and the value of meeting in person. 
probably more effort communicating this now than there was in the past. See, if we do not talk about what we are doing clearly, then we're training people to be spectators rather than participants. We begin to cater to convenience rather than sacrificial life. We are discipling our people in the wrong direction. I I saw some statistic that said something like 40% of people would rather pray at home. What do we do with that information? Do we say, well, in that case, let's cater to that? Or do we challenge them to come and to be together in the community of faith? Now, of course, there are some aspects of the Sunday gathering that absolutely can take place via the internet. And there's some of those aspects in which an inferior version can happen online. But the important thing is to always remember is there's aspects of the Sunday gathering that are impossible to do online. See, of course, we can hear the same sermon whether we're driving in a car, you know, listen to a podcast of the sermon, or if we were sitting in the service, that part's the same. You know, the, we could sing along to the same songs. It tends to sound worse when it's coming through the, the internet than in person, but, you know, it's an inferior version. But there's things that can happen in person that just don't happen over the internet. It seems to me that, you know, it's self-evident that corporate worship can't happen individually and that digital presence is not the same as human presence. You know, if we are all united together individually in our own home over the internet, we could sing, sure, but, you know, we can't really join our voices together as one enhanced praise offering. And the truth of the matter is this, very few of us are going to be singing along to the YouTube video. Sure, some of you might. But, you know, most of us, or a lot of us, we're going to fast forward or log in 15, 20 minutes late and wait till the singing is over. And then there's a whole other chunk of us, we're probably just going to, not even going to watch it live, we're just going to kind of catch it later. You know, maybe Monday morning as we're driving to work. And, And sure, maybe your singing at home is a great personal time with God. And I'm not taking that away from you. But that is different than corporate worship. That's different than the body of Christ experiencing unity and intimacy with God and each other through corporate worship and singing together in the same room at the same time. There's a really interesting study done about singers who, if if you sing together, what begins to happen, the more you're singing together, is you're breathing become synchronized and as your breathing becomes synchronized your heartbeat becomes synchronized that happens at the Sunday corporate worship gathering that can't happen over the internet because there's always a delay there's always some sort of latency there's always something in and though you might be singing along and it might be special to you, it's not the same. And and so that's one of the things that's impossible to do over over the internet. Uh, Another thing is this, you know, we can't really encourage one another in the same way if we are apart than if we were together. Now, of course, we can receive encouragement to a certain degree, you know, by listening and uh, and watching the, the service online. But it's harder to encourage one another because often 
online church communication, you know, when we talk about online church, very often it's, it's a one-directional communication. And even when it's not one-directional, the, the, the power of, of presence you know, in the task of encouragement, it, it's, it's gone. You know, typing nice words on a screen or, or speaking through a latency-ridden you know, Zoom call, it's inferior to being able to look someone in the eye or put your hand on their shoulder we can't fully encourage one another while we're separated. I'm not saying that it can't happen to some degree, but that it happens to a much greater degree when we are in the physical presence of each other. Another thing we can't do while online or we can't do over the internet, and this is, this is the big one for me, we cannot receive communion over the internet. See, people are not joining us online in, you know, what they are doing is they're watching from home. And that's okay, and that has its own benefits, but it's different. And, and see, we need to clearly communicate that, that it is preferable that they are here in person and that there is a distinction. Now, with that in mind, you know, our goal is not to guilt people or make them feel bad for not being there in person. You know, we don't want to do that, and that's not, not, that's not the idea. The goal... To, of changing the way that we talk about these things is so that the way that we think about these things will also be changed. See, like, I understand, like, for some people, watching online is the only option. They can't get out. They can't get there to be there in person. You know, if, if you're talking about and, and understanding your online stream of the worship service as going to church online... Like, if that's how you talk about it, if that's how you understand it, then what might happen regarding those people who absolutely can't be there is you say to yourself, well, they watched online, and you kind of check that box off of your responsibility list because they went to church online. And so our responsibility for that person has been fulfilled. But if we properly understand it not as going to church online, but as just, it's, it's a, this is a recording of the church service, then perhaps that will help us to leave that responsibility box unchecked and seek further efforts to connect with that person, to visit with that person, to be in the physical presence of that person. We change how we talk, we change how we teach about this thing, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're changing what we do. Keep streaming online, absolutely, but change the way that you talk and think about it. Your live stream is the scattering of the church. It's not the gathering. Uh, essentially, what, what it boils down to, that the live stream, it's an upgraded version of previous ministries. Now, now think back before that time when, you know, putting your service online and putting the sermon online and doing the live stream, before all that was possible. What did the church do then? Well, we had a tape ministry or we had a CD ministry, right? And, and that way, you know, the, the ones that were, the, you know, the shut-ins, that's what we call them, right? We had a way to get them the message and the, the music from the service. We recorded it and we brought it to their house or they had someone come and pick it, pick it up. And we would have never, back then, ever considered that a tape being handed to someone was the same as them being there. It just 
wasn't something that would have even crossed her mind. And, and, and the fact of the matter is, there is a great advantage to the tape ministry over the live stream. Because in order for that person to receive that tape, unless we dropped it in the mailbox, we're driving to their house and we're handing it to them and we're saying, you know, how are things going? Is there a way we can pray for you? Or, or they're coming to the church and they're picking it up or they're sending someone over to pick it up. And there's that opportunity of physical connection. And we would have never thought or considered that because they were shut-ins or because they couldn't you know, participate in church that week for whatever reason, we, we would have never thought that that made them any less part of the church or excluded them in any way. It, it actually might have been a better way to do it because in that exchange and in that whole thing, it acknowledged that their absence left a gap, left a need, that they were missed. And of course, you know, another way the tape ministry was used, it was used as a means of evangelism. Uh, a means where, you know, like, perhaps I really liked the message that day, and so I got the tape, and I brought it to work, and I shared it with a friend, you know, so that people who were not present could hear the message. And again, we would have never considered figuring out how to count that person for attendance, or, you know, or considered that they were part of the corporate worship service that day. Like, it wouldn't even have been on our mind. But, you know, the live stream, we can absolutely view it as a high-tech version of that. It's never been easier to share a gospel message with someone. You just send them over a link, right? It's this upgraded version of a gospel tract or upgraded version of a tape ministry. Or we could view it as a, an upgraded high-tech version of like an advertisement or a flyer. You know, it lets people know about what the church is and who they are and what they do and when they meet. You know what I hope for the live stream for local churches. You know, I hope that it becomes for local churches what Father Barnabas was for me. This is what I mean. I mean, when, when I talked to Father Barnabas, man, there was something about that guy. The things he said, the, just the, the way he spoke and, and his demeanor and, and all of that. There's something about him that, you know, it just makes me want to be Greek Orthodox or at the very least learn more and more about it you know, I hope our, our live streams act like that, as, as windows into the life and the heart of the church, as, as ways that, that stir up inside of us this longing for community, this longing for Christ, this longing to be together and to be in relationship with Christ and with his church. That's what the live stream is. Now, as I, I said way back in, in episode one, humans were made to be together. We long for human connection. And, and the internet and the digital sphere is, is proof of that. And in some cases, perhaps, yeah, there, there, there can be a means of connection found there in, in the digital world. But more than that, and, and more than anything, it, it seems that the, the digital space and, and the internet and, and all those sorts of things, it, it demonstrates that innate desire within us to be together, to be connected, to be united under a purpose or a cause. And, and what I mean is this, you know, for, for example, uh, the book Digital Religion, it talks about ARPANET or something like that. I probably, I'm probably mispronouncing it. And this was this, this pre-internet that the government used 
and, and within this system, one of the very first things that happened was these unofficial groups began to spring up. You know, where people would would communicate and share their love for things like science fiction or discuss religion and and like there was this resource, this tool here, and the, one of the very first things that we did was find ways to talk with each other and communicate and to form some sort of community. And, and so, yeah, our, our digital presence online can be some sort of connection point, but it should be the type of connection point where others can, can get just a, a glimpse or a taste of the community of the church and they are then drawn to be a part of it and to be involved in it and to, to learn more about Christ and to be part of this embodied presence of God in the world. And so again, the very best way to view the live stream for your church is as part of the scattering of the church. The scattering of the church that fills all those nooks and crannies of our everyday life with Christ and his love and his grace. And that we are using this tool, this resource, those things as a means to invite and draw people into the whole and the full experience. And being very clear about that every step of the way in our communications and how we talk about these things. Talking about that often and clearly. Absolutely, keep the live stream, but drop online church. So those are my thoughts. And you know, this has been such a great time kind of exploring this topic and you know, really just doing my best to think through this technology stuff in the YouTube stream, to think through it as theologically as I'm able. Man, and I, I really love being able to talk to the various pastors. I, I just wish that I could have talked to even more. And, and so just thank you again, Pastor Tanner. Thank you, Father Barnabas and, and Pastor Jason for giving me your time and talking to me and help me sort through some of this. And then, of course, thank you to all you who listened and made it through these five episodes. Thank you for your time as well. And until next time, whenever that might be, this has been the Tomato Tomato Podcast.